Thank you for joining me in my hen house. Nicole's Hen House is an audio space dedicated to the stories of women in the roles of business, healthcare, entertainment, and politics. I'm a millennial mama on a mission to tell the stories of women's influence in our culture. As always, cheering for you. Yeah, I'm not saying that people have to make this a whole thing that takes up their entire day. But even if people just took a second longer to think, oh, someone got up earlier than me and they took time to make this coffee, um, that's worth something, you know? Thank you for joining me in my hen house. Today's guest is one of my soulmates, Erica Jackson. This is a follow-up interview where we discuss the ritual of coffee and how to view coffee as a sacred moment of your day. Cheering for you. Coffee is yeah, next to tea. It's the most widely consumed beverage, like under oil. Like it's making the most money and this is a product that black and brown people and that women in particular, you know, produce. So it's really meaningful to me to, to be on this side of the supply stream and doing what I can. Well, I'm proud of you. Thanks. So let's chat about the ritual of coffee. Mm-hmm. So you said that you, you talked about it in the last episode. Um, and I don't, it was like this eye-opening or kind of life-changing moment. Of like, oh, because we had also talked about fast fashion and then you talked about like the ritual of coffee and it made me like mm-hmm. kind of pause and think, okay, like are we drinking coffee just to consume coffee to consume something? Or like what is the practice of this? And it's like, you know, I think some people have already done that with food because of um, Food Inc. and, you know, those major food documentaries. But we, I don't know anybody who's actually gone into that practice with coffee. And mm-hmm. so when you said that, it was like, oh, this is another layer of this. Mm-hmm. Um, being, mind- sure. being mindful of your consumption, but also like making this a reset of the day. And it made me like really appreciate my 20 minute ride drive to work. Cause it's like, this is the only time I have coffee without anybody touching me <laughs> and nobody talking to me yeah. or like no interruptions. And so it's like this little car ride is now my ritual, mm-hmm. but, um, elaborate on that statement, the ritual of coffee. What is it and how do you do it? Well, in Ethiopia, they have rituals around coffee. If you think about green tea in Japan and other um, teas, but um, there are tea ceremonies in Japan. um, And so there are other cultures out there that have, and other beverages that have rituals around them. But yeah, in Ethiopia, which is the er, the birthplace of coffee where all the coffee we have comes from there are rituals around coffee and it's usually women that are um that are leading these rituals so they will 
have green coffee in their homes and they will roast the coffee in their homes and then they will brew it and they serve it and they do this like sometimes two or three times a day and so there's a lot of work and preparation and intent behind these rituals and they also make certain coffee um treats for for celebrations um and other um african like tribes and cultures so yeah um i think when it comes to the word ritual i think people can get freaked out because in terminology america, <laughs> in america we're not very spiritual people no i, I believe like a lot of people are religious, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with religion, but it's, I think it's harder for us as an, an ethnic group to, or a nationality, I should say, as a nationality to think about spirituality. And so, um, yeah, I think for most people, coffee isn't a ritual, but maybe most people would say it's a part of their routine. Mm-hmm. So they can't, you know, get by without it. They have to have coffee in the morning before they go to work or, you know, midday to pick them up. And if we if we took a little more time to, to think about our routines, they could be rituals. Um, I would like for them to be rituals. Yeah. I would like for more of our interactions to be spiritual. Um but yeah, I, I could, I guess, keep going, but do you have any? That's really healthy. Questions? No, it's really healthy. And I, sorry, that was a weird noise. Um, <clears throat> I think, so I'm glad you hit on what you hit on um, from a different thing I've been thinking about. Like you talked about spirituality and like we, as Westerners, we don't acknowledge it. And that's a conversation I've had with some of our, our mutual friends lately of like, okay, as Westerners, we're like, we're taught rote Christianity and we're taught these rote rules to believe so we can have good behaviors. Mm-hmm. But as we adopt these good yes. behaviors, we don't understand the spiritual ramifications of it. Mm-hmm. So like, it's kind of annoying because once you're aware of these things, it's like, oh, you recognize the power that people actually can't walk in. But when you're just taught behaviors, you don't acknowledge the power that someone else can walk in in their spiritual walk because you don't acknowledge spirituality. Sure. So then when it comes to, like, okay, we're going to have coffee together, like, mm-hmm. this is a sacred practice. It's like, mm-hmm. this is, I, I kind of feel like, it's been a turning point recently in not our lives together, but like just this thing that we're kind of coming into because we can, it's like, this is finally the Mm -hmm. season to acknowledge this of like, when we have people over in our home, this is a sacred time. Or like when we get to talk on the phone, this is a sacred moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Where were we? Um, You just made a point about sacredness yeah so yeah so I, I think people mostly use coffee as a way to 
to to complete tasks like it's not seen as a thing in and of itself so you're like yeah I'm gonna drink this coffee so I can stay up in work or I can stay up in study um and we don't really see it as much now as a driving force for just pure conversation and exchange of ideas right so coffee houses tea houses used to places where people and at you know (laughs) a while ago it was like like only men you know would go into these spaces and they would exchange ideas and they would have debates and they would exchange news and gossip etc dear lord men and the gossip Mm -hmm. right they would do that uh, over coffee so yeah um, of course like now these spaces need to be inclusive and we need to have safe spaces where, where everyone can come together and exchange ideas and create things together and just have like good conversation um, that's where I would I would love for us to get back to you rather than I'm going to get this coffee and then I'm going to be on my computer doing work or studying or you know I can understand times when people need coffee and then they need to get somewhere else but yeah why can't coffee houses coffee shops in particular be places like for intellectualism and for socialization and for um people just be good humans like I think I think people understand the coffee date thing you know but (laughs) we don't always have to be having coffee with someone that we're romantically or sexually attracted to like we can just gatekeeping can you elaborate on that what is that why is it bad how can we shift the shift how can we experience a shift um, yeah, gatekeeping is information hoarding at the very least, simplest um, manifestation of it. So I'm not saying if you are a competitor and you're trying to win worlds eventually that you you just have to share your recipe with everyone because why would you do that? You know, like, it makes no sense. But these general brew recipes, like, you'll see now during this time that there are brew guides everywhere. And it's kind of to the point of, okay, nobody else (laughs) make a brew guide. We we have enough now. There are some general rules for brewing, period, that everyone should know. And that's the kind of information that doesn't need to be gatekept, you know? Okay. So I get that. So um, the way that you prevent gatekeeping is that you share information and that you make information accessible. And that's anything from having it in different forms to not like allowing people who are marginalized to like access it for free if it's something that most people have to pay for or um yeah just share information that's basic like you don't have to share all your secrets but 
at the end of the day, coffee is coffee, and there are just a few rules you have to follow to make it consistently good. So, And those rules should be made available. Okay, mm-hmm. I got you. So, as, so, like, obviously, COVID has kind of chopped off the coffee house experience. So, mm-hmm. like, what would you tell people who want to make coffee a ritual mm-hmm. and they can't do the coffee shop thing? What would the first step be to bringing that experience home? Like... Step A, you're going to have, like, a ritual. You're going to have your moment with coffee. What do you do? Well, as you pointed out earlier, equipment is really important. So you would need to do some research on the type of equipment you want to have in your home. And there's a lot out there. So that would you would need to invest in, in some time, maybe ask some friends, um, yeah, doing research on equipment, and then next would be doing research on uh, the co- coffee itself. So, how coffee is sourced and how it's processed and how it gets to America is is really important. Which again, I would say ties back into the sacredness of it. I don't know that the average coffee drinker thinks about how coffee is a product that we have to import, and it's part of a fruit so there yeah there's a lot of steps that take place to get it from another country and into your home as a safe product that you can consume so that's you know growing up you see like the Maxwell House commercials and the mm-hmm. Folgers commercials like Maxwell House it's like the first step of waking up well you go get that at Walmart okay mm-hmm. you yes. go get that at Piggly Wiggly you don't think about the sourcing and how it gets there yes which that's super important to mention those brands and that type of coffee especially again as we're moving from a third wave of coffee into a fourth wave is that instant coffee is one, most of it's made from a different varietal of coffee than the, the coffee that's in coffee shops. So mm-hmm. is most instant coffee is robusta and it is mostly coffee from Vietnam. So Vietnam is, the the biggest they they export the most coffee of any country worldwide wow and yeah so it's mostly robusta from vietnam and so it's kind of ironic that we we think of instant coffee as yeah it's on the shelf at walmart sure and it's fast and it's quick and it's good but that coffee came all the way from Vietnam, most likely. That came <laughs> from Asia. Yeah. On a, was harvested and picked. Mm-hmm. Processed and roasted. Packed. Put on a container for six months. Shipped over here. Unpacked. Distributed. 
we went from the distributorship to your grocery store and then put on that grocery store shelf by a stalker. Sure. Yeah, I would need to do some more research. I don't know if either of those brands is roasted in Vietnam. I wonder if the green coffee gets imported here and then we roast it and then oh, in the U.S. do all of those other steps, yeah. Um, that makes a little more sense to me. Uh, it would be cool to consume more coffee cider so roasted inter- internationally. I think that makes it a little harder just with quality and freshness, but um, I, ha- I had some coffees um, that were roasted in South Korea that were incredible. Um, Korea doesn't grow coffee, but they they have a really big, intricate coffee scene. And of so, course they do. <laughs> of course they do, right? Um, anyways. But yeah, so even when it comes to instant coffee, the most successful, cheapest thing that we have in our homes, the, the, the products that most Americans have in their homes, a lot of work went behind that. And it had to be brought here. You know, had, there was so much work on the other side of getting it here. So. If you are new to the show, you might not know that we were on food stamps in 2018. Being on food stamps can be an overwhelming experience. To help listeners who might be starting a journey on food stamps or for listeners who just don't feel like doing their own grocery list, I have released my free food stamp guide. This is a free download available on the site to help women and families who are on food stamps learn the skill of how to make meals last and also for reader listeners who just don't want to do food prep. So go to the site, nicolesenhouse.com and click on the free guide at the top of the page. Um, so anyways, like, so going back to what we were saying about first steps, like equipment's important and, um, I am fortunate to have, like, multiple brewing devices in my home. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Um, you know, there are preferences for certain ones, so you just need to choose which brewing device you want, and then once you know which coffee beans you want to source and that you want to buy, um, from there it's a matter of just coming up with some simple recipes. But, yeah. So what do you mean by coffee recipes? So, like, you know, I think coffee is like two scoops and four cups of water, and there's your recipe. Is that what you mean by that? Sure. Um, the amount of coffee that you're putting in and the amount of coffee that you expect to get out, and then the steps in between. So if someone's method is batch fruit or a, a coffee pot, um, you need to know how much coffee you're putting in. You need to know how much water you're putting in. And then how much, like, coffee that will get you in the end. Um, There's other things you can do. Like, you can bloom your coffee pot uh, coffee, which most people don't do. I don't think they do because it it takes a little more effort. Uh, This is getting a little technical. (laughs) Uh, It just means that, okay, so coffee, if you grind it, and it, it's fresh, and then you put water on top of it, um, 
gases, CO2 begins to be released. And so, um, sorry, oxygen, right? Um, gases start to be released from, from the coffee that are trapped inside the coffee. And, uh, the gases can keep the coffee from being extracted from, um, being extracted by the water. So you do this initial step of putting a little water onto the coffee to let the gases escape. And then, um, and then you allow the, the rest of the water to pass through. Cause once those gases are gone, the water has more contact with the coffee bean surface area and therefore it can ex- extract more and therefore like you have more flavor and more body to your coffee. So how long do you have to wait after you wet it the first time? Like do you soak it or you just like sprinkle it? Um, you just get all the coffee grounds wet. So I would say in between like a sprinkle and a soak, like you don't, you don't want to put too much. You also don't want to put too little. So you want to make sure all the grounds are saturated and then the amount of time can vary. Um, most bloom times on average are in between 30 and 45 seconds, but it can be less time than that depending on the coffee or it can be more time than that. So just depends. Well, 45 seconds is completely manageable. Totally. But I see brewing recipes also as, as a part of ritual because it, that is how you're going to physically make your coffee. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All of it makes sense. It's just, you know, like what steps, like what are the steps involved? So it's like equipment, mm-hmm. prep, and then consumption. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, consumption is the part we are most familiar with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. But, you know, even if, you know, you have the most hands-off, coffee equipment where you set a time and it grinds and makes a coffee for you and then you get up and you have coffee like you're saying you're at the very least going to consume it so this gets us back around to thinking about how we consume coffee right Mm -hmm. Um, are we taking time with ourselves are we taking time with other people are we taking time to to think about our days and to think about the tasks that we're going to do and how to to do those purposefully um and kindly you know Mm -hmm. um do you have a memorable coffee ritual experience that you would like to share um sure um it doesn't have to be like, you know, the most life shattering, you know, loud coffee ritual, but is there a coffee experience that you had that was particularly meaningful to you? Yeah, it comes, yeah, it, it is hard for me to pick one because every time I make coffee, I think about either myself or I think about the person that I'm going to serve it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, so either I'm thinking about connecting with myself or connecting with another person and it's always meaningful, but yeah, there's this one time where I was working at a coffee shop and 
these two women were uh, came and they ordered coffee and I served it to them and they came back inside and they were like uh, what is this place <laughs> and I was like well um, and at the time I worked for a nonprofit coffee shop so there are a lot of moving parts to that But I I had to explain to them, well, this is actually a nonprofit coffee shop, and this is some of the things that happen. And they were just like, well, just from the moment we got here, we could tell it was special. Like, we we felt something, and um, we knew this place was different. So that was really cool because, I mean, how would they know that there was something different? You know, I guess so. Mm -hmm. But they took time to know the place, you know, and to know the people that were serving them coffee. And they felt like through hospitality and generosity and through the spiritual service of making someone coffee, like they knew, they just felt like something. And, and I know that's a very like unique story because there's not very many nonprofit shops out there, but most, most of the time when you have really good customer service, which is rooted in being kind to people um, and meeting people's needs um, and wants even. Mm-hmm. Like when that's at the center, which I would say those things are spiritual, like when that's at the center of like what you do, people notice that. And, and that's what keeps them coming back to your shop most of the time. Like, you can have just okay coffee, but if you have really good energy, if you have really good presence, and and that means you have good service, right? Like, when you have good service, that's what keeps someone coming back to your coffee shop. Not, for the most part, like, you know, coffees that have really complex processes and all of that. There's some people that are coffee nerds that are really into that, but, like, everyday coffee drinker really what they want is good service mm-hmm. and you know, connection to to the people that are serving them you know it's really beautiful how you describe it it's like a ritual but it's intentional comfort it's like the the way you curate comfort in your day and that's really profound because mm-hmm. what like it's the opposite of how we're taught to view coffee, which is this hurried, rushed, kind of like task booster. Um, whereas it can be set, it can be used to set the intention of like chill and mm-hmm. invitation and connectedness instead of like rushing through to dismiss something to get to the next next task. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that people have to make this a whole thing that takes up their entire day. But even if people just took a second longer to think, oh, someone got up earlier than me and they took time to make this coffee, um, that's worth something. Mm-hmm. Like that would make our industry so much better. It would make us, uh, better people really (laughs) um well it makes you feel appreciated too yeah yeah totally 
totally. Um, so yeah, I, I think a lot of people were like, when it comes to baristas, you're just like, oh, this person just pressed a couple buttons and then they gave me this thing. It's not worth a lot of money. Right. But there's so much more to that. Even Not a lot of money, babe. That's seven ninety five. That is a lot of money. <laughs> Girl. Well, that's the thing. It's like, we can get off into coffee prices. Like, that's a whole nother story. But if someone we has can to pay do a three, part three. Yeah. If someone has to pay three fifty for black coffee, they will pitch the biggest fit. And I'm Why like, are you going to a coffee shop? Exactly, girl. At this point, I'm like, you just need to make coffee at home before you go to work. Like, get instant coffee or get something that's quick that you can make yourself get out the door. Because 350 is relatively cheap. Um, again, especially for for the amount of money that coffee costs. Um, yeah, because coffee is not a cheap beverage. Right. Good coffee, anyway. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I don't think, like, coffee has to take up, like, everyone's day. Like, not everyone's obsessed with it, like me, but it is. Well, you do it for a living, so you kind of should be. (laughs) Yeah. It takes, it's a product that, it's a, it's not just a product, it's food, you know, it's, it's drink and you know, I think most people have a concept of paying, uh, paying for their food at least. So, yeah, people complain about that too, though. <laughs> <laughs> Strange, you know. Like they want to go out to eat, but they don't want to tip the waitress, or they don't want to pay for the full price of their meal. Well, yo, you have a kitchen. <laughs> Let me introduce you to the refrigerator. Here's the deal, though, like, unless you've been in food service or hospitality, you don't understand and you don't have a grid for it. It's just this right. entitled thing you feel, it's it's a thing of entitlement. You just feel like you're supposed to have something the way you want it. But then, like, mm-hmm. you go look at the equity on the other side of it and you're like, well, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the alternative is go do this yourself. Exactly. Yes. Which, I, you know, I'm a big proponent of DIY. But, um, but to, like, we should talk about the cost of coffee because I feel like unless, I mean, everybody has to go buy their coffee somewhere. So, like, you see, mm-hmm. like, the wholesale, the bulk prices. But even now, like, when I go to Costco or I go to Sam's, I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. we didn't even get coffee. <laughs> right. Yes. So... I don't ever feel bad about spending extra money on coffee. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Ethiopian, you know, that Ethiopian yogurt chef, that's like, you know, most, like, that's an average favorite, but that's not cheap, but you get what you pay for. Like, you're either going to have a ritual and a practice with this thing, or you can have your drive through moment, and mm-hmm. you can... Get what you pay for. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, just for future reference, the name of that region is Yerga's Chefe. So it's not Yerga's Chef. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, do you have a favorite coffee? A favorite coffee? Yeah. So besides Honduran coffees, which I think Honduran coffees, I just think there needs to be more investment into farming and processing practices in Honduras um, in general. But like, besides Honduran coffee, I think Central American coffees are phenomenal. They, I prefer them. Like, my palate prefers Central American coffees. Um, I also like Colombian coffee, which is, of course, getting into South America, but it's at that, like, Central and South American border, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So Central American coffees all the way. And then of the African countries, Burundi coffees are my favorite I don't think I've seen anything with that region on it Burundi mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah there's but like, several I don't, ahead, branch, I don't branch out um, like I live in the woods so like options are yeah. limited sure uh, Burundi coffee is Actually, like, predominantly for the African regions, they're they're mostly, when it comes to specialty coffee, um, most of the producers are women. Well, that's badass. Yeah. It's different in, uh, in Central America, South America, and in Asia, but... Yeah, for the most part, when you buy an African coffee, you can think, oh, this is like a woman producer, you know. Good to know. Yeah. Well, thank you for giving us a moment to learn. Sure, I um, hope it was helpful. I feel like I was getting rambly. Uh, you know, I love a ramble. Like, people apologize to me for rambling all the time, and, like, maybe it's because, like, I don't get to spend a whole lot of time with my friends in person, so the rambles make me feel like we're closer to each other than we actually are. Mm-hmm. But I love a ramble. Oh, good. But your, but your rambles are not fruitless. They are chock full of wisdom. So, mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Cool. Good stuff. Well, I love you very much. I love you too. Thank you so much for listening to Nicole's Hen House. It is a great value to me to have your ears tuned to the variety of guests on our show. If you found this content insightful, I would greatly appreciate a review on any listening platform. To contact Nicole's Henhouse, visit the site, nicoleshenhouse.com, or you can find me on Instagram at Nicole's Henhouse. As always, cheering for you!